Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. Hello, and welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code. I'm Dr. Gertrude Lyons, a professional life coach, exploring, demystifying, and democratizing the maternal power that lives in all women. The experience of mothering may not necessarily mean what you think it means. I believe that mothering is a vehicle for transformation, whether or not we have children. And together, we can start a new conversation around modern motherhood. On this show, we will redefine what it means to mother and untap the powerful feminine within you. Are you ready to rewrite the mother code? This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the Rewrite the Mother Code podcast. Super excited to hop on today and talk about the topic of love and relationships and Valentine's Day. Hmm. Well, they all go together, right? It's also February and February in the Northern climates is probably one of the dreariest months of the year um, and can be quite chilly, but it's also Valentine's Day. So it's considered this month of love. Um, and I, I, for one, I have a birthday in November and I have a, I know a lot of people with birthdays in November. So hmm, nine months after February is November. So just saying, anyway, I digress. Okay. So on today's episode, we're going to focus on relationships, looking at what does it take to have a meaningful, successful relationship? What are some things my husband Rich and I have done to help make that possible? Um, we're going to look at how emotions play in to relationships. We're going to talk about some things that you can do every day to create more meaning in your relationship. But we also don't want to ignore Valentine's Day. So we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at why, you know, that day holds so much pressure, 
you know, why is there anxiety around that? And also, you know, what kind of guidance can we have on that specific day um, that relates to this meaning that we're talking about for relationships? So we can look at what all of that and what, you know, having instead of February be the dreariest month or one that feels like this big pressure, but one that we're exploring and really looking at relationships from a, a, a much more truthful lens and one that we can actually sink our teeth into. And so here we go. All right. So let's, let's look at what it, what does it take and what makes up a meaningful, successful relationship? Well, I know over the course of the years, my husband and I have been doing growth work and ups and downs of, of really working on our couple. I would say one of the key things of what it takes uh, to have a successful relationship is dedication and hard work. There's this big myth, I think, in the relationship world and particularly in the romantic relationship world about the myth of the happy couple. And uh, I come from an era, many of you won't even know about this but this image just popped in my mind. There were these two like cartoon characters and their big thing was love is never having to say you're sorry. Well, could there be bigger BS than that? Look at, you know, this is probably 50 years, 40 years later. And I, that image is embedded in my mind. So as much as I know better, it's still there, right? So I have this, we have these images in our culture of, you know, you, you fall in love, you know, you find your soulmate and you just know. And, and then once you decide you are going to maybe get married or be in a committed relationship, and then it's, you know, it's, you just coast from there, right? You've decided you feel the love. And I'm not denying, and we'll talk about, of, of course, we have loving feelings towards somebody. It's more about what does it take to keep that fire ignited, you know, to keep it um, growing and interesting. And, and the fact that the cool thing is that there is the sky's the limit. No one ever fully knows themselves, let alone their partner. So it's a continuous and just huge possibilities of relationships growing deeper and deeper. That is a truth versus the myth that you're going to get married and you just coast from there and um, you accept each other for your faults and differences and maybe never have to say you're sorry and, you know, everything, right? The fairy tale, live happily ever after the um, pretty woman, the movie Pretty Woman, where he just climbs up the fire escape and whisks you away in his limousine out of your dreary, you know, factory life and into the sunset, right? And as much as we know better, okay, these, these images, these beliefs, these thoughts are wired in us. And it takes a lot to overcome them. And it takes a lot to really keep the fire going. And then for us, even having started on a growth path and moved into aspects of a relationship that neither of us ever saw, you know, in our parents or even knew was possible, you can reach uh, plateau points. And there's theories and there's things in there called the, I forget who he is, um, but someone who proposed a theory called the happy plateau. And that's where, you know, a couple kind of reaches this, they've done some work, you've kind of worked at it and you reach a, a happy plateau. Nothing's terribly wrong, but it's dangerous to be on that plateau because that's what it is, right? It's a plateau. It's not taking you higher. It's not taking you into new territory or the unknown or the continuous discovery that we're talking about. Uh, something that I think is missing for a lot of couples is the realization that we, and this isn't just in relationships, but you know, this is everywhere in life, right? We we're kind of addicted to like the easy answers and the the quick steps and you know how to have a, a relationship in in ten easy steps. So all of those are going to really trip us up. But they also keep us from 
exploring and really discovering what our deeper yearnings are and what is it that we even envision or hope to gain for ourselves or get fulfilled by in a relationship. So, you know, on the want category or more of, and maybe even like some of the myths, but in the kind of more immediate aspects or, you know, things that we think are going to give us this deeper satisfaction are, you know, the the flowers, right? The the being romanticized, the, the titillation of a relationship, um, you know, or of meeting somebody new that that kind of like new buzz that you have um, in a new relationship and every your heart's a flutter all the time. And, and we don't realize that, you know, that's a phase and there can be aspects of that that's beautiful and we should experience it fully, but that's not what we should expect that feeling to be the one that carries us through. The deeper yearnings are going to be more like things like, I yearn to be loved. I yearn to matter. I yearn to be seen, to be touched, to make a difference, to go closer to myself, to learn, to grow. Like just, I find myself even speaking them differently than the, you know, the excitement and the the other aspects that we don't want to throw away, but we give them too. We give those too much power. And I I know I mentioned the myth of of the soulmate, right? And I don't mean to dismiss when we feel like we've found somebody that is our, uh, you know, the potential of a of a really strong, powerful partner. And you know, something that my husband and I put in our vows was that we were going to be partners lovers and best friends and all of those you know it's 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 kind of that combination and those all hold different aspects of a successful relationship right like best friends that's full empowerment and support, but also, you know, being silly and having fun and sharing your secrets and the person you can't wait to tell, you know, your a success that you had, but also, you know, will be there when you go to share something that you're challenged with. You know, lovers, obviously that means, you know, a, a physical relationship that's satisfying, but intercourse can take many forms, right? It can take the physical, of course, it takes the physical form that we're most familiar with, but there's, you know, emotional intercourse, verbal intercourse, where we really hit, you know, deep, profound spaces and we go into the unknown, right? Like what's an orgasm? But this kind of earth shattering, I'm, I'm so in the present moment, and I'm, you know, feeling potentially even, you know, oneness with spirit and, you know, really takes me someplace. Well, conversations can have that same level of potency, that same richness and fulfillment uh, that sex can bring us. And we want all of it. And partners, right? Like, how do we function together? How do we do, you know, a home together? How, if you decide to have children, how do we partner around children? It's, you know, kind of where you're like business partners. And sometimes couples are actual literal business partners. But either way, your life as a business is something that I don't think, you know, we necessarily think about. But when it's just one of those and you don't have all three, we're really missing out. And and, you know, lately, I'd say over the last several years, you know, Rich and I have declared that we're really focusing on the best friends part. And uh, and I would say the lovers part, too, from the from the all aspects perspective. Partnering, you know, we we really did well with that in raising our children. We were very good partners. We partner well in projects. We, we are very aligned around how we want our home to be and creating a vision for it and coming together and using, you know, our gifts and talents uh, really well well 
to do things like that. And we want to expand that. And then, you know, adding to that, what's our bigger vision as a couple? So of course, it's to be fulfilled and satisfied, you know, with ourselves and, you know, within that relationship, but to what end, right? When we look at purpose, we want to look at to what end, you know, and we hold, you know, that we're a, we hope to be a model, you know, uh, um, an inspiration to couples for what's possible in a relationship as we work on ours, not because we have it figured out or, you know, have um, claimed some territory in it, but, you know, to really honor and show the work that it takes to have a couple. It really is something in my life, an area in my life that I am the most proud of. And that certainly doesn't mean that we haven't had low points and we haven't had dry spells and we've, we've hung out in plateaus, you know, the, the partner and around our kids, like that was a plateau. You know, we've, we've, we kind of gave that a lot of emphasis and let some of the areas, other areas really go fallow. So we're working to bring that back online. Um, and you know, it's, I want to touch on another aspect, the whole, like getting to know each other and how this whole never having to say, sorry why that's such a myth because something we've learned in our coaching which we've done consistently you know over the course of our 30 year coming up on 31 years of marriage this year is you know to get coaching but this awareness that we can always learn from each other and that um, having arguments and fights are going to be a source of a treasure trove of a way to get to know each other more and you know our we came into a relationship and it's always been our work as conflict avoiders and and, you know, we were able to track back like where in our upbringings, you know, we came to feeling like it's best to just avoid conflict and sweep it under the rug, pretend it's not there. You know, unfortunately, I think anyone who's remotely aware knows that doesn't work, uh, no matter how much we think and how much I think like every time, like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's only we let things build and then we have explosions and it's about usually something stupid like the toothpaste cap, you know, not getting screwed on right. We laughed about that the other day. My husband was saying, you know, was saying something about how he was squeezing the toothpaste and, uh, you know, we can laugh about those things. But if we had had stuff build up, him criticizing me for something small like that, I could have blown my top. And then, you know, we'd have this argument about toothpaste and the right way to squeeze your toothpaste. And I know it sounds ridiculous right now, but that's what happens. But when we break those arguments down, we really get to see, you know, where did that, you know, him you know, criticizing me for something like what deeper wound is that touching for me? And why is it important, you know, to explore that so that we can take responsibility, you know, in our relationship. And it's, you know, it's, it's learning those skills. And I, you know, as I was saying, we've had coaching over the years with both Dr. Bob and Judith, right. And cause they both bring a different flavor and aspects to allowing us and, and growing our couple. But even if you don't coach with them, they have a book called the heart of the fight. It's such a beautiful, it's one of my favorite books. Um, Rich and I are in it, not with our real names. So if you ever do read it and wonder uh, who we are, I'm happy to tell you after you read it. But we're in there, I think at least once as an example couple. But for some, you know, kind of a recovering conflict avoider, I've learned, you know, we've we've had assignments on to actually pick fights with each other, to bring our, our arguments and our disagreements to the forefront. We've had assignments in any of these you can try to share, you know, through the day, likes and dislikes. So sounds kind of simple, but just, you know, when you're in conversation, like, I don't like that. And it, it can be about the other person or something about them, or it can be about anything, but just explicitly like putting out what you like and dislike it 
it can tend to take the charge out of a criticism that you might have or something that's annoying or bugging you. But it gives you these on-ramps, right, to be in relationship around things that that are annoying us, you know, that happens in relationships. So we really want to, you know, foster that kind of conversation and those kind of um, interactions with each other. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone, I will be honest. You know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. You know, and for us, I'll speak for Rich for a moment, but arguing to him coming from a a family that, you know, would have explosive arguments and that, and then eventually ended in divorce, you know, arguing meant you get divorced. Arguing meant people leave, you know, it, it takes a lot to learn how to resolve and get to resolution around an argument. And that's a skill that you can learn. Take some, you know, some practice, like anything that you're learning new and don't really know how to do. And I can't emphasize the value of it enough. 
off and the value of, of learning that skill. And, you know, when I work with couples in coaching, whether it's in the engagement phase, you know, of the relationship or in the midst of the relationship, you know, various transitions, um, this is always something that we work on and we have assignments around to really practice these skills. So super important, but we don't want to, you know, wait for an argument. And what are now when we look kind of more in the like partner realm and looking at it as a business, you know, what what are ways that make you a successful salesperson, for example, or, you know, um, you know, in any of the business that we're, that we're in, we have disciplines, right? We have taking care of our bodies. And when we know to have optimal health, we have disciplines, you know, brushing our teeth. Um, you know, we, we know what a healthy diet is. We don't always follow one, um, the diet and exercise and, you know, keeping things clean and being consistent with it. Uh, we all feel better and it's, it's not a, a debatable thing, right? Um, we may argue it at times that we want to eat badly, that there's, you know, that that's not true, but we all know in our hearts that, that that's not true. So same with our couple. And this is something that, um, you know, we've learned along the way again in our, in our couples coaching and couples groups that we've been in is to set and have these disciplines. And some of them, you know, you, you might already have like particularly, you know, I, I coach couples and one discipline that many will have instated at somewhere along the way is to have a consistent date night. And yes, that's whether you're literally like dating, living together, whatever phase you are in your relationship or in a relationship, having a date, at least one date night uh, or date time a week is critical because in our busy lives, um, if, if you're, you know, in a relationship and you have children, then it's it's even that much more critical and that much more difficult to make happen, you know, because we we might be so busy with our work and everything else, and then we feel like we need to next be with our kids. But I've underlined this before: the health of your couple is the best thing you can do if you have children in the mix, and it's the best thing you can do um, for your careers and your businesses and everyone else in your life is having that, you know, this core relationship, this closest relationship be as strong and solid as possible. So in the midst of a busy week, knowing that you at least have that date night to look forward to, and that's, you know, sacred. Um, and if you do ever have to, a conflict comes up, you reschedule it just like you would an appointment, an important appointment uh, with your like top client, right? You're not just going to say, oh, okay, we'll miss this week. No, you don't do it. So you don't do it with your couple. Um, some other ones that that Rich and I have put into place, and and I'll tell you the the connection and closeness I feel uh, with my husband are directly related to how well we keep these disciplines. And the next one I'm going to share is sounds super simple, but to do it on a daily basis has taken us. You know, I mean, we kind of played around with it, you know, for a while, like, and it was good. But once you every day do this discipline, I can guarantee you it'll make a difference. And that's literally setting a timer for five. Five minutes each to talk about your day. And you can do this at any point in the day, but it's that you, it's a space for you to just talk. The only parameters are it can't be logistical. It can't be just like, well, here's my day. And kind of, you know, ideally you're not listing it off or making it logistical because those are much easier conversations for relationships to have. But the ones where you might be sharing about, 
a challenge that you've had in the day or something you're celebrating, bringing each other into each other's day for that five minutes each on a consistent basis really allows then literal ongoing connection, you know, and then we can, you can build on it. You're you're not, not had any contact all week. And then you come to your date and it's like, you know, you know, trying to get everything caught up and just relax and be together. And it's too much pressure on the day. So this really helps the date night as well. So that's a big one. That one, you know, we have really held consistently over the last, I would say three years really well. And we notice, so then when we do get off of it, you know, or, or aren't consistent, it's a temperature check for us. Like what's been going on? Like the holidays, we didn't, we didn't do so well. So we looked at how we hadn't planned, you know, where we got caught up with family. And even though it was a, still a COVID holiday, it's, there was still a lot of like pressure and, and we, I missed it. And there was a cost to not having it. A couple other things we do are, you know, once a week we clear resentments. You know, what, what am I most afraid to say? Or what's a truth I haven't told? What's something I'm, you know, sitting on that I haven't shared? And that one always like feels the scariest. And I never like kind of honestly want to do it. But every time we do, um, it takes a weight off, you know, you don't realize and they don't have to be big things like something you said, like really bugged me and I've been sitting on it to something bigger. We also not every day, but we have a goal to at least twice a week. And if we do more, great do what we call the feelings game. I've shared about it in some other episodes where we use the structure of the five main emotions, fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. And we go through our day talking about where we felt at least once each of those emotions. And if anybody ever says, oh, I didn't feel hurt today, it's it's a lie. We're just blocking it. And we're, we're, it means we're, you know, one, we're in the process of bringing some of our emotions more clearly online because we're having emotions constantly through our day. It's how much are we numbing them? How much are we sitting on them? You know, and how much are we ignoring them? So this gives a chance for some outlet of that and practice in sharing them because an emotional connection, you know, with any significant, rela- any relationship, but particularly your significant ones is really where we're going to, you know, meet our deeper yearnings, have the close and, and connection that we so yearn for and be aware, you know, through our relationship, we've been aware that as we've worked on something and then I'm starting to get maybe, you know, more of an emotional connection with Rich and, or he's like softening up, I get scared. And then I have to watch, that's where coaching comes in because we can unconsciously kind of thwart the progress of our partner because it's new and uncomfortable. And we don't always like the new and uncomfortable as much as we yearn for it. Right. So that's where support can really come into play. I've probably in almost every couple session that I have, there's places I point out where, oh, hey, did you notice, you know, that your partner just gave you what you've been asking for? Like, no, I just like rolled right over it. Right. We kind of get on our track and stuck in our beliefs that we miss it. And really important to start recognizing it and, you know, encouraging and supporting when we're getting the things that we want from our partner. So these are, you know, some of the things that we do, but we literally have it. Um, you know, my husband is a, has just has the most amazing disciplines as a salesperson and when he's been in sales through his career of tracking. And similarly, I have a dashboard you know, where I track metrics every week. So we made one for our couple and, you know, we weighted things and, you know, and many of the things that I just mentioned, but other things that, that we want to track for our own health and well-being. And then our goal is, you know, every week to come together and share how our week went. And, you know, we just did this on Sunday. It was one of our best weeks 
that we've had in a long time. So we celebrated. That was awesome. And now, you know, we have the opportunity to go at it again this week. And also, I mean, I just laid out a lot and a lot of possibilities. You, you know, do yourself a favor and don't try all of them at once. You want to set, always set yourself up for success when you're trying, you know, any new habit or as positive as it is, you know, bringing that, you know, into any relationship or space. So I know we're doing the feelings game every day. If you've never done it before, I mean, we don't do the feelings game every day. That's why we're only doing it like a couple times a week because it's a habit we want to build in even more consistently. But we know better than to say we're going to do it every day until we do it a couple times a week for a long time. So same with the five minutes a day. You know, we have now gotten to a point where we're, you know, we will each support each other to make sure that happens. And sometimes it means, you know, being in bed and comfortable and just wanting to go to sleep and someone's like, we didn't do our five. Okay, let's do it and sitting up and doing it. Um, And we're always so happy we did. So I, I want these to, you know, be feel supportive and also set yourself up for success. But now in the context of like, you know, looking at relationships from this and how to have success and meaningfulness, then we throw in a holiday called Valentine's Day. And you know, similar to things I've shared about, you know, other holidays that, you know, our culture gives so much meaning. And of course, we can all say like, well, it's a Hallmark holiday, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the roots of it are from St. Valentine's that, you know, wrote a note in prison, you know, to, but it wasn't even like this, like lusty love um, aspect. It was much more, um, I mean, it was, it was, it's actually a very beautiful story in many ways. And, you know, you can take a look at it, but obviously nothing even remotely close to what we're expected. And there's this expectation. And sometimes what comes from expectation is we expect the other to read our mind. So if you are going to actually join in and use Valentine's Day as a way to share love and, and show your love and appreciation for your loved one and even others. But as far as getting yourself satisfied, and this is another thing that's so important in the in the heart of the fight book in Seven Rules of Engagement, is that you are a hundred percent responsible for your own satisfaction in a relationship. So that translates on Valentine's Day to like letting your significant other know what you want and what would make you happy, and not expecting them to read your mind and not putting it out as some test. Then is like, well, if he knew me, he would know or she, you know, um, whatever that is, or a friend or, you know, anywhere that you're expecting something like this is, no, you are authoring your life and you're authoring your Valentine's Day. So if you want something, ask for it. It's one of the biggest things I I support, you know, uh, coaches and, and clients, single or not. And, you know, this is, this is one of those also like holidays where it's so easy to feel left out, right? Oh, this is a holiday for couples. And, you know, you'll, you'll, you know, see a lot of dis- Spare around this time and it brings to light if someone's really yearning, you know, for a relationship and they're not in one right now, that this can just feel like a, ugh, you know, like a slap in the face. And, you know, I say in that regard, choose to look at it in this broader sense, no matter what, to see it as a season of love, you know, to see it as a, a season or a time of like where it's it's okay to be a little like gushy and and share with people in my life how much I appreciate them, how much I care about them, how much they care about me and to take in how much they care about me in that regard and do fun, sweet, silly things if you want um, in that regard. But also to, you know, if, if you're single at this time, use it as a time to reflect and look at what's my vision for myself in a relationship? What do I see? What do I yearn for? you know, in one? And what's the pain that comes up for me around the missing of not having one? And, you know, and that holds true of someone in a relationship to take this time and look at, you know, where are the gaps? Because whether you're in one or not in one, there's always gaps and always places that we want to fill 
some of those voids um, and really get our deeper yearnings met. So I, I really encourage, you know, everyone to, you know, take this as, as a invitation, you know, for yourself to explore. I think in many ways, the word love is overused and we, we don't really look at like what that means to us. And, and I think it's super sweet. And in some ways that we kind of use it very liberally. I mean, I know there's people, certainly I say it to a lot of people I'm not in love with, you know, they're not my partner, but love ya you know, love you. Um, but it's also can be a time to explore what that, what that means, you know, and give it the meaning that you want it to, you know, and, and really, you know, acknowledge and, and take this time to be with love and be with yearnings and be with what's, you know, what's possible for you. And I think what I want to, you know, close with here is to really take some time and I don't care how long, it could be a minute, it could be five minutes, it could be the whole day of Valentine's Day or somewhere around this time that you really focus on loving yourself. You know, in my whole rewrite the mother code, we look at most important person you need to mother is yourself. So that, you know, dovetails so beautifully here, right? Like how, how am I not loving myself? Of course, we can explore that a little bit, but what would it look like to give myself some love, you know, that could be verbally and looking at myself in the mirror and saying some like loving things and noticing critical thoughts that are coming in and being more tender with myself, you know, lovingly touching myself and really exploring what, what more self-love and how can I give myself more self-love in this time and write yourself a Valentine, you know, certainly write them to people you care about, but write yourself one. I'm going to do that. I am hundred percent absolutely going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, do exactly what I just said. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't done that as a practice for Valentine's Day. I've been working on it for myself, but I'd love for you to join me and we'll all collectively kind of be putting some energy toward our own self-love and compassion. So with that, sending you off to love yourself and open yourself to be loved and know that you deserve love and know in this, you know, dreary February, if that's the, you know, the, the climate season that you're in, that you can bring light, you can bring love and us all doing that together. Um, I think we'll feel it. Can't wait to feel the ripples coming from you. All right. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you love this episode, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that you can stay on the journey and continue to hear more about rewriting your mother code.